You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. Uh, this is a great one for you out there who are a business owner who may be looking to franchise. Franchising is an interesting concept. It's an interesting way to expand and grow your business, but there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to franchising and understanding how to franchise, whether or not you should franchise, and all the other things that may be coming into your head. Uh, so my guest today is Mr. Rick Robinson, who's with Franchise Genesis. He's been an expert in franchising for close to 40 years, which means you started doing this when you were in diapers, right, Rick? Yeah, almost. I, I I jokingly tell people it was. I go back to 1984, right when the internet was invented, but no one was using it yet. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about your background. You've got a lot of experience in all different facets of franchising. So tell us how that started. Yes, um, my first career I was in television advertising sales, and um, the founder of uh, a commercial cleaning franchise called Jana King. Uh, and it's a master franchise model where you sell a large metropolitan area and they're like a mini franchise or branch office that, you know, finds, sells, trains and supports the franchisees. He had sold five master franchises, mainly to college buddies. And uh, one was doing a pretty good job. The others, not so much, but he knew he had a good idea. So he decided he wanted to open some corporate locations, hire some executives to run those and tweak the model and kind of figure things out. So he hired a guy for New Orleans, a guy for Los Angeles, and I was hired to move to San Francisco and open a corporate Janet King office there. And <clears throat> we tweaked some things, changed the way we marketed, and it just exploded. I mean, Janet King took off like a rocket ship. And of course, the three of us wanted to have some ownership. So we all bought master franchises for ourselves. Uh, I moved, I bought the rights to Phoenix with a partner. I moved to Scottsdale. We got that office up and running. Then we mm -hmm. bought Tucson, opened an office there. And then eventually we opened an office in Albuquerque. So at its peak, we had three offices. I had 50 employees and 230 uh, cleaning franchisees. And they were cleaning a thousand buildings a month. So a pretty wow. big operation. Yeah. yeah. And then eventually I sold my share of that, um, launched my own consulting business, became uh, very active in the International Franchise Association. Um, eventually I was fortunate. I was elected to serve on their board of directors on the International Franchise Association, which is based out of Washington, D.C., um, I was on their several committees with them. I was a guest speaker at multiple annual conventions, was on Capitol Hill, meeting with congressmen and senators, talking about the advantages of franchising. And if there was any legislation that was coming down the pike, we we would try to head that off and make sure they understood why that was going to be harmful to not just franchising, but small business in general. And um, the economy crashed. I was hired a couple of different times by franchisors to come in and and um, help do turnarounds and put best practices in place to help improve their performance, which I did. And then um, had my consulting business going. And then I was contacted by someone I know that said, hey, we are starting a company called Franchise Genesis trying to make it much more easy for small businesses to become franchisors, which is the best way to expand your business. 
And we're going to package in a lot of marketing to help get them off the ground. And so I did that. So two and a half years ago, we, we launched Franchise Genesis. And now we have franchised almost 100 different businesses in the last two and a half years. About one third or every type of food and drink model you can think of. But beyond that, it's everything you can think of. Senior care, med spas, uh, boutique fitness, uh, speech therapy, floor coverings, house painting, you name it, we have franchised it. That's that's great. So I want to ask you, because someone listening to this may have a business and may be thinking about franchising, but there's a lot that goes into whether or not they are qualified to franchise or whether or not they should. Um, and you know from experience whether or not <clears throat> a concept is going to be successful as a franchise. So walk us through sort of what they should be thinking and what you would advise them to do before they dive right into franchising. Yeah, I, I have a lot of business owners ask me, you know, well, how do you know if I'm franchisable? And I, I ask them three questions to start. You know, is your current business model profitable? Can you teach someone else how to do it? And three, uh, are there plenty of customers across the country that franchisees could sell your products or services to? And if they say yes to those three, I say, well, you're probably franchisable. And now we do a deeper dive. So we talk about what their current revenues are, how similar it is to the model they, they would think their franchisees would run. Uh, they only need one profitable location. So that's a misnomer. A lot of people think they have to have three, five, 10 locations open. No, they do not. One profitable location is fine. I would say 75% of our clients we franchise only have one location. Is it better if they have a couple of locations? Of course it is, because they duplicated the model and show that a manager can run it. Um, but really, those are the main issues. But then we talk about, you know, what processes do they have in place already? Because we're going to have to help them formalize more processes, because everything about franchising is having processes already figured out to you know, show someone how to run this business. And, and if you're a franchisee, it's, you know, follow the processes, follow the systems, and you can be successful. Also, one of the other issues is, is, you know, how actively involved are they running their current business? Because, you know, I tell them, okay, it's going to be a slow shift, but you have to be prepared to stop running your day-to-day -day operation and switch over to focusing more on finding, awarding, training, and supporting these franchisees, because this is where your main source of income is going to come from now. Right. But, um, you know, usually those things, you know, are, are acceptable. And then we, you know, but many times they're, they're hesitant, right? They're kind of scared. They, they're, they, they think every franchisor has hundreds of franchisees, and some of them are kind of worried about that responsibility. And I tell them a statistic that most of them are shocked about. I say uh, less than 20% of franchisors ever sell 100 units, and that shocks them. But I tell them, you don't need a lot of franchisees to be a successful franchisor. You know, once I know what their annual revenue is, and I start showing them examples of what royalties would be coming back to them, usually, you know, 10, 15 franchisees, they're making a nice income off of that. Right. And the other thing that surprises them is is the lack of corporate support needed because now you're not getting bogged down in all the employee problems. You're coaching and mentoring other business owners. 
So I also tell them that in general in franchising, you only need one corporate support person for every 10 to 15 franchisees out there. And so now they, their mind really opens up because they, they picture themselves having 10 to 15 branch locations that they're running and they know they're going to be bogged down every day with employee issues and all sorts of other things. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So, well, I mean, you're kind of talking about some myths and things to debunk when it comes to franchising. Like let's talk a little bit about like what the realities of it. Why, sh like, why shouldn't you, if you are looking to franchise, cause it's not just about, money and operations it's also about your mindset right and in your mm -hmm. your decision to grow but also <clears throat> putting in the effort to become a franchisor and understanding that expanding will add another layer of complexity to the business right so how do you coach people in understanding what it's going to take mentally and just in terms of work and well, yes. like, what are the, some things you may say, look, you may say, look, uh, you're not a, you're not a fit to franchise. Where, where should people look for red flags, I guess? Yeah. So, so the, the people I tend to turn away, um, one might be, they, they don't have a large customer base out there. It's a very, very finite customer vertical or the people who would run this kind of a business. It is so technical that'd be very difficult to find the right people. So that, that sometimes is a red flag. Um, something that they're oftentimes fearful of though, is this responsibility. They, they worry that they're going to, it's the liability. They think, Oh my God, I'm going to lose control of my brand. Uh, and what if something happens out there? I'm liable for these people, these independent business owners. Right. But I explained to them that with a franchise agreement that they're going to sign, which is totally written in in the to protect the franchisor and the franchisees that are all in compliance from that rogue franchisee. And I explained that you, you and, and then that ties back to the operations manual. So the, the franchise agreement says you must run your business according to the operations manual or else if they don't. After, you know, a few warnings, you can actually terminate their franchise. I mean, I, I explained to them, you actually have more control over how a franchisee runs your business than employees that are protected by some silly laws. So yeah. a lot of it gets back to fear, right? They're, they're fearful they're going to lose control of their brand, how someone runs it. And they also don't realize that they can control over everything from site selection to products being used. And there's many things that they don't understand. So a lot of it just gets back to education, educating them on exactly what franchising is, because all they know franchising is, is, is the food the food brands they see advertised on television or they're on Main Street USA. Yep. So they, they don't know everything there is to know about franchising. So a lot of it just gets back to educating them on what it really is, you know, that it's regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. There's strong contracts in place to protect them. And it allows them to expand much more quickly if that's something that's important to them. Right, right. So when it comes to somebody says, look, I want to franchise Rick and you say, yes, you're a good fit. Everything checks off. How does the process start? Cause there is some, there's a legal side to it too. You need to get an attorney that writes out the FDD. There's a lot of things that have to be in place. So how does that, how does that sort of, I guess you'd call it like an, like an onboarding kickoff. What does that look like working with you and franchise Genesis? 
Yes. And it kind of gets back to what how we planned and built this model to begin with. We wanted to make this as simple and easy of a process as possible for, for smaller business owners. So first off, we have excellent franchise attorneys that we use, and it's the only work they do. So it's not like there's one guy in a corner office that happens to be a franchise attorney. All of them in the office, they only do franchising. and that's the only franchising work they've done. So someone signs up with us. We do a launch call. Uh, we talk about what's going to be happening over the next few months. Um, anything that we need to get from them, we tell them what we need. Um, we also oftentimes they have not trademarked their name. I would I would guess at least one third of our clients have not done a national trademark, and that has to be done. So we connect them with a trademark attorney immediately, and I tell them, hey, you need to do this whether you franchise or not. You want to own your brand name and your logo. Yeah. And so we get them hooked up with the trademark attorney right away to start that process, even if they have not signed up with us to become a franchisor yet. So they sign up with us. We do a launch call. We go over kind of what the process is going to be like over the next few months. And then we immediately connect them with the franchise attorneys so they can start gathering all of the information they need to start preparing their FDD. The attorneys also go out and take a look at, are there any other competitors out there that are a similar model that are franchising? They get their FDDs and take a look at those for comparison purposes. And then a few weeks later, once that process is going, now my team starts to get started on the writing the operations manual. So we have a long questionnaire to gather information from the new franchisor, and then we start writing their operations manual along with them, gathering all the information we need. So those are the two, two things that take the longest amount of time, preparing the FDD and the operations manual. So a couple of months down the road, after a lot of that has been accomplished, now we have an outside marketing company that we use that <clears throat> starts working on the landing pages on the franchisor's website that talks about the franchise opportunity and they write a nice franchise brochure that can be emailed out to candidates. We also produce a nice two-minute drill. This is something that is used by the consultants and matchmakers out there and the brokers out there because they represent many different brands and they can't remember all the details about this. So it's really kind of a sizzle sheet of bullet points that quickly and easily explains what exactly is this franchise model why it's a good opportunity, and what are the estimated startup costs if I wanted to purchase one. So we, we start writing that as well. <clears throat> so all these things are in the works, being prepared. And then as we get closer to the end, uh, we then uh, have two training classes. One is on franchise marketing and sales development, teaching them where to market, how to advertise, how to find candidates, what to say, what you cannot say, and how to award franchises properly. And then we have an operations training class where we teach them about you know, proper training of their franchisees, good communications, keeping the franchisees compliant, um, you know, all of those things to help them become a good franchisor. So those are all the elements leading up to the point they're gonna have a registered FDD and be a legal franchisor. And that takes about four months. But the nice thing about that is we're only going to take a few hours a week of the client's time. It's usually a, a, a Zoom call, 45 minutes to an hour, checking up, 
you know, homework getting done. And then they work a couple of hours on their own doing some other homework during the week, during their free time. So it gets back to trying to make this a really easy and simple process to help them become a franchisor. But then the latter part of our package that we're able to include because we own a sister company of ours is a franchise expo company. We exhibit them in 12 franchise expos. If they wish to be there, they get a private booth. If they aren't there, we have a pavilion area with all of our clients' banners and flyers available talking to people about our clients and anyone that wants to learn more, we connect them to the franchisor and those leads are all free of charge. That is included. So 12 franchise expos. On top of that, we have a franchise magazine called the Franchise Journal that is emailed out digitally to over half a million people every month. We do a full page profile about the client and their new franchise opportunity that goes out to half a million people. And then over the next year, each month, we give them a full page ad in the magazine. So all that marketing is included along with their FDD, their operations manual, the landing pages on their website and a franchise brochure. And that, that, that entire package, our, our current price is 59,500. Wow. And we're going to price their franchise at close to $50,000, usually around $49,000. So we kind of coach them and help them do some pre-marketing, letting people know that they're going to be a franchisor in a few months. And oftentimes they have someone ready to buy a franchise right out of the gate. And they've gotten back almost all the money they paid us to become a franchisor. Wow. I didn't realize you do that much. That's that's great. A lot. So you really not only help them lay the foundation, become a franchisor, but then you're also helping them kick off the marketing and the sales side. So, and that's a question, Rick, I want to ask you because I talked, I coach brands and consultants a lot on the technology, you know, with client tether and everything. Um, so, you know, I think the most important thing is they're going to ask once they're a franchisor is like, okay, great. Now, now I've got a, um, this battle of trying to sell the franchise and the brand. Where do I start? What do I need to do? Do I have systems and processes in place to do that. And where's, where's the low hanging fruit, right? Or am I talking to friends and family? Am I talking to people in my network? Like how, cause, cause you know, obviously marketing to sell a brand is, can be expensive um, and it can be a time consuming process. So what, what is your advice on getting things in place to sell your brand effectively? Yeah. So First off, that one training class that I told you about that we give them, um, you know, they're used to selling their products and services, right? right. So selling or awarding franchises is very, very different. Right. So we we give them a lot of training there on what that is all about. You're, you're awarding a franchise. You're not selling anything. Uh, and these are people looking at lots of other types of businesses. You know, they're, if they're out there on the internet looking around, they're looking at lots of different things. Mm-hmm. So what I coach them and explain to them, I said, first off, most people who buy a franchise have never owned a business before. And they're terrified, excuse me, terrified uh, of leaving their corporate job. Everyone dreams of owning a business, but they're scared to leave that corporate, you know, security net that they think they have. So it's your job to really get to know them. What, what's their background? What are their goals? Uh, What do they like to do personally? You know, where'd they go to school? What What are their hobbies? What you're trying to do is find out the emotional reasons on why they want to buy a business 
And now you have to take your business, which they never heard of before, and maybe be in an industry they never thought of looking at before and show them how your business can help them achieve their goals. You know, I, right. I, 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 I'd laugh about this. One of the things you hear all the time is, is from a potential franchisee is, oh, I have to be passionate about the business that I buy. Yeah. And I tell them, no, you don't. You're not buying a hobby. You know, I'm, I love to fish, but I don't want to be a charter captain. Right. You're looking for a really good business model that'll help you achieve the lifestyle that you want to be passionate about or yeah. you want to be passionate about. So that's so so that takes a lot of work with them, teaching them how to show their business model on how it's going to help them. And I also we also go into deep dive about how difficult it is to sell your franchise when you don't have a happy franchisees they can speak to for validation. Yeah. So you really have to curate your story. Who are you? What have you done to build this business? The advantages of buying with you because you have the best territories available, right? You also are going to be trained and supported by the founders of the company. So there's lots of advantages here, but you have to learn how to how to, to speak this story, curate this story and speak it and connect with them. Because, you know, people, it, it's an emotional purchase, right? E even right. though they're, they're buying it for financial reasons, it's always an emotional purchase and they need to understand the benefits of going with you and feel really confident about taking that leap from the corporate world. One thing I want to ask you about that, because I, I agree with you hundred percent on the emotional side, but when I talk to brands and I look at a lot of their content, a lot of the emails they're sending out to candidates, it's always vomiting about how great the brand is and how successful the brand is and all about the brand. And it's very rarely do I see, if ever, anybody putting out content about how this will change your life or what this does for you as a candidate. Do you feel like there's a lack of that out there with brands that they're not, I'm not saying they shouldn't talk about their brand and how great it is, um, but I'm saying they're less focused on the fears, the concerns, and what's motivating the candidates. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And, and it also is is worse when the candidate is working with uh, a consultant. All right. The consultant is going to show them several models that might be a good fit, yeah. but they're not going to be as good at explaining why it's a good fit. They're, they're going to focus on just a couple of areas, right? The item 19, you know, uh, how the existing franchisees are doing um, and territories available, you know, just trust me, talk with them. Yeah. And that's where, where the founder is able to do a much better job explaining how it changed his life, you know, what he went through to build this thing. And that's yeah. also builds value in the franchise fee. You know, I oftentimes I'm talking with business owners and when I tell them, yeah, we're going to put your franchise fee at probably around $49,000, then they're having a heart attack. Oh my God, that's too much money. Mm -hmm. And of course they may have gone online and seen a few of their competitors that aren't charging, you know, more than 30,000 or whatever. Yeah. And I explained to them, I said, first off, you're devaluing what you have gone through and the knowledge you have that they don't have to go through the blood, sweat, and tears and the trial by error and the money you've thrown away. You fine tune the marketing, you fine tune the services or products. You, they do not have to do that. That's why they're coming to you. So don't devalue that franchise fee that they're going to pay. Yeah. Uh, plus 
if I'm a franchise candidate, I'm looking at business models that I can afford, right? It's not just, you know, it's not just, you know, what I want to be in, but what can I afford? Right. So they're looking at the bottom line in the item seven, right? They're, they're looking at what are my total costs to get my doors open and to own this business. That's what they're really looking at, not yeah. picking apart. Well, this one's franchise fee is X and this one's royalty is X. That's right. What is my total cost to get my doors open? Yeah. Right. So can you kind of go over some, some success stories you've had with people and brands? Like what have you learned working with, you said a hundred plus different brands you franchise. That's a lot. What are some takeaways you've seen as far as the ones that have found success and are really thriving? Why are they like, what, what are you seeing happening out there? Well, it's a combination of things. One is being able to voice that passion, right? About what this business is all about, what you went through to build it and, and um, you know, why you're going to help them be successful. Uh, two, one of them is that they, they, they don't focus enough on they're in the franchise world now, right? They're building a franchise company. They're still caught up in the day-to-day -day activities of their current business and they don't return calls on franchise leads. Um, when they start to have franchisees, they don't return their calls promptly like they should. Uh, there's, there's a variety of things there. When, when I see franchisors fail, it's usually the franchisor's fault. What's going on internally has nothing to do with franchisees not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's the franchisor you know, not following through with a lot of the things that they said they were going to do for the franchisee. And now they don't have happy franchisees that will validate the model. So right. it's, it's, a, you know, it's a domino effect. It's a number of things that they're not doing. And they also, you know, um, think it's, and others think it's going to be easy, right? It's going to be easy to sell them. And the franchisees are just going to run this business with the passion they have. And, you know, they don't have to do much coaching and mentoring. And yeah. so there's a variety of things that they fall short on. Um, but then you also have franchisors that realize after a while it is more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And they just level off and they're happy with having 15 franchisees and they take good care of those franchisees, but they decide I don't need to expand clear across the country. So success is relative, right? You know, I have a lot of, I have a lot of companies say, well, Rick, I just want to be here in the Southeast, right? Florida, the Carolinas and Georgia, and I'd be happy with that. Okay. We can help you do that. But of yeah. course we get the others. Oh, Rick, I want to sell 200, 300 franchisees and exit the company in two or three years. Well, you know, if, if it's the kind of model we can do that with and you build the support team for that, we can definitely help you do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, a lot of people, they want to sell their brand and they hire like a company, like an FSO or, or someone to sell. And do you see a lot of challenges with that? I mean, it seems like some, some franchise salespeople really have a good grasp and know how to do it. Some don't. Um, are you seeing like a lot of turnover? Are, are, are people struggling out there sometimes to sell a brand? What are you seeing as far as people that are successful at it? What are they doing? And I, I mean, I come from the tech side. So with client tether, it's a system that people use to automate texting leads and candidates, but I see it all the time. I mean, like you said, people don't respond to candidates very quickly um, or they have a list of leads that they don't do any follow-up on. They're not, they're not reaching out. So what are you, what's your advice on that? What are you seeing out there with that? 
Yeah, you have to realize a candidate oftentimes is looking around in the evening, right? They're sitting at their computer yeah. and they're all over the internet. And, yeah. and, and sometimes they think they're talking and asking for information directly from a franchise or, and it ends up being a franchise web portal. And that lead got sold to five other consultants. Um, sometimes they're contacting directly with a consultant, um, FSOs, you know, FSOs get almost all of their leads from franchise consultants. They, that's who they work with. Yeah. Um, so the prompt response is it, and it has to be personal it needs to it needs to you know uh th these are busy people you're trying to get a hold of right and now all of a sudden they're irritated because they had no idea they'd open this you know this funnel of people trying to contact them from franchise orders to consultants and you know it's it's crazy right and so you've got to be very good at connecting with them emotionally yeah. so it might be a video it might be a recording um, text messages, obviously, you know, are looked at very quickly. People do not take a look at their voicemail messages very often if they didn't recognize the number, if it didn't show that someone that they already know. So it's a lot more work. There are thousands and thousands of franchise consultants out there trying to find these people. And then you have the franchisors doing their own advertising, trying to get organic leads to come to their website. Right. So you have to be prompt and you have to connect with the person very quickly and um, give them the comfort and confidence that you're going to really help them achieve their goal of, you know, of business independence. Now, the FSOs are a different animal. So the FSOs, uh, I mean, many of them have popped up over the last few years. Um, most of them only want to represent brands that they feel they can sell multiple units of, Right. Yeah. Um, they don't really want you if it's a large territory franchise and they maybe they only sell two or three in a big metropolitan area. They're not interested in that. They only want to work for brands that they think they can sell a lot of units for 100, 200 within a, a short period of time. Now, the problem with the franchisor signing up with an FSO, first off, it costs a lot of money. There is a mm -hmm. large monthly retainer plus commissions going both to the FSO and to the consultants, which that's where they get all of their leads from. So you basically need to look at your, your franchise fee that you're charging is gone. There's nothing left there. So you need to have a lot of money in the bank because now you are, uh, plus you're paying for the FSOs to travel to um, the consultant networks, annual conferences. So there's yes. even more money. So besides a monthly retainer, there's they're, they're going to several other consultant networks, annual conferences. And there's another four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars, right? So there's lots of money to be spent. So you have to be prepared for that. So right. I, I would say you only join an FSO if you really want to scale this fast. You can afford it on the back end. You have a support team in place, and you can afford um that you're not to just the franchise fees wash. And now you got to pay to train this franchisee and support them. So you yep. need to have a lot of money set aside to be able to do that. And if if you do and you want to exit, exit the company quickly, an FSO is a good choice. Um, if that's your whole point is to make your money on the back end when you sell the company, but not make really hardly anything in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about like if somebody's in a in a mode where they want to sell their brand and they've done everything with you, but but of course the the, the marketing is a shoestring budget and they just really need to start. 
using some sort of feet on the ground methods to get, to get franchise leads. And I coach people on this too. I say, you know, use LinkedIn. And I'm surprised at how many brands out there I've found don't even have a LinkedIn company profile uh, for yeah. their brand, which is, which blows me away. Cause I think it's free. You know, it takes no effort to build a LinkedIn company profile, but what, what can they do if the budget's not quite there or it's very small um, to, to start to get some leads in? Yeah. So social media is going to be, you know, because some social media is free. Some of it doesn't cost much. Um, you know, one of the problems though, I mean, they, so social media has probably worked well for them to find yeah. customers up until this point. So they assume that's going to be a great place. The problem is most of their customers that want to, to buy a franchise don't have the money. They're not ser serious. They take up a lot of their time. However, right. it, it it is a cheaper way to do that. Sometimes there are actually um, expos of some type, not franchise expos, but just other types of expos that are specific to their industry that might be in certain markets that might make sense to have a booth in to, you know, to be able to come in contact with a lot of potential franchisees that might be there visiting that expo because it's the, the an, an industry that they might be interested in. Yeah. So you, you, you're right. It has to be a lot more grassroots um, using social media. Uh, LinkedIn is a much higher cost per lead, but they are better leads. So yeah. you can you can target people much more directly on LinkedIn based on their background and their their job titles and things of that nature. So LinkedIn can be a very good resource for finding franchisees that are a good fit for you and your industry. Right. Vendors, sometimes your vendors and suppliers are good resources there. Um, you know, people who know you and already understand, I mean, always, we always start off with it, your first franchisees are often people, you know, they're yeah. customers, vendors, suppliers, family members, friends. Yeah. And if you want to cut them a deal, because they're going to be a trailblazer for you, do it. Because the yeah. sooner you have, a couple of franchisees on board to validate that the training and support is great. That's when things can take off and you can more easily sell franchises. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so Rick, any, any kind of last minute feedback on things that are growing? I mean, industries that are growing right now, I I've noticed over the years, ever since, you know, 2020 and COVID, I know home service has been a really big, big market. Um, if people are looking to franchise or even buy a franchise, what, what are you seeing as trends right now? Where, where are you seeing like a really good opportunity right now? Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Home services continues to grow and grow and grow because it's not a fad. It, it's services that homes need. Uh, we're also, uh, we've gotten, and COVID helped spur this along, but we've gotten more used to uh, not being a DIY, it's ordering whatever kind of a service we need. So uh, people, businesses have popped up to attend to almost any service you need at in the home. Yeah. Um, and then and then food has changed dramatically. So the COVID caused a lot of restaurants to really scale back. Not only their brick and mortar models, but many of them got into food trucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I I franchised four food trucks in the last year. Wow. Uh, everything from popsicles to pizza, right? Yeah. Um, much lower overhead. They, you know, 
they deal with some city permits and things, but they love it. And the profit margins are much better than a brick and mortar. Some of them still want the franchisee to have a brick and mortar for just advertising and marketing purposes and visibility. But, you know, I've got a couple that, nope, franchisees don't have a brick and mortar. It's just going to be a, a food truck, even though the franchisor has a brick and mortar along with their food truck. Um, boutique fitness continues to expand, um, very specialized things, you know, um, you know, physical therapy has really grown. Um, now everything to do with health and wellness keeps expanding, you know, red light therapy, laser therapy, I mean, all sorts of different therapies. Um, so yeah, those are some categories. So simple food that's, you can, food that's easy to, to teach, right? So you don't need a chef. You don't need hoods, vents, and grease traps. And I can teach a high school person to serve it. Yeah. Those have expanded. And then and then the food trucks, bringing the food to people um, and catering and things of that nature is really what's happened in food. Uh, robotics continues to grow. There's a number of brands that are now using robots to make boba teas, bring things to your table. Yeah. Um I'm talking with some robotics companies now. I mean, they got they got a robot that that has like 50 different recipes in their brain. Now, a lot of the food's pre-prepared. The robot's pulling it off shelves and then preparing it. Um, so robotics is going to continue to grow in a variety of areas. But home services, yeah. you know, the stuff that, you know, you can't teach a robot to do. It's it's getting your hands dirty. It's cleaning air ducts. It's I, I, I was speaking with a woman this week in California. Um, first, she had just a typical maid service. Now it's everything concierge. They will do laundry. They'll do linens. They do closet organizing. They do um, you know shelves and cupboard organizing. Almost yeah. anything a homeowner might need, yeah. um, they do it. And, yeah. and it came, and it came from clients asking them for it, right? The, right. And uh, so yeah, it's um, that's going to continue to grow. I don't see any any changes there. That's interesting you bring up robotics because I know a company out here I should definitely connect you with um, that does some amazing things with robotics because I'm in Las Vegas and, you know, this is a hospitality town. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's all about automating and streamlining and but also providing a good customer experience, too. So, right. um, yeah, it's fascinating how that's that's really evolving. So, yeah. well, Rick, it's been a great conversation. I think if you're listening to this and you are thinking about franchising or you are a franchise and you're just you need some some guidance and some help and maybe things aren't going exactly the way you thought. Rick would be a good person to talk to. How can people reach out to you, Rick? Yeah, my my email address is rickr at franchisegenesis.com. My cell phone number is 480-577-3378. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rick. I appreciate you being on the show. Have a great Thanksgiving and let's keep in touch, okay? Thank you very much. Hey, this is Ryan. Are you in the market for a customer relationship management system for your business? Well, before you drop a dime, pick up my book, Customer Relationship Management Exposed, now available on Amazon. Just search Customer Relationship Management Exposed and my name, R-Y-A-N-A-R-C-O-R-A-C-I. This is your definitive guide to saving money before purchasing a CRM, so pick it up today.